Chapter Twenty Five of the Wheat Princess by Jean Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Copley's wounded arm was bandaged the best that they could manage, and a soldier dispatched to Palestrina for a doctor. Gerald was put to bed and quieted for the third time that night, and the excitement in the house was subsiding to a murmur when Marcia came downstairs again. Melville met her by the door of the loggia, evidently anxious that she should not go out. She had no desire to she had seen more than she cared to see we have caught two of the men he said but i am afraid that the rest have got off that precious butler of yours among them where is mr sybert she asked the thought of tarquinio had suddenly occurred to her she had forgotten him in the distraction of helping with her uncle he's locking the house i will see if i can help him and she turned into the salon melville looked after her with a momentary smile he had a theory which his wife did not share marcia passed through the empty salon and the little ante-room and hesitated with her hand on the dining-room door she had a premonition that he was within she turned the knob softly and entered sybert sprang up with a quick exclamation oh it's you he said i thought i had locked the door draw the bolt please i brought him in here and i'm trying to bring him around if they find him he'll be sent to the galleys and it seems a pity he's got a wife and child to support marcia looked down on the floor where tarquinio was lying sybert had thrown the glass doors open again and the moonlight was flooding the room a towel folded into a rough bandage was wrapped around the young italian's head and his pale face beneath it had all the dark tragic beauty of his race poor man she exclaimed as she bent over him are you sure he's alive she asked starting back heavens yes it takes more than that knock to kill one of these peasants he groaned when i carried him in here let me give him some whiskey he raised the man's head and pressed the flask to his lip tarquinio groaned again and presently he opened his eyes sybert raised him to a sitting posture against the wall for a moment his glance wandered about the room uncomprehendingly dully then as it fixed upon sybert a wild fierce light suddenly sprang into his eyes traitor he gasped out and he struggled to his feet again marcia saw that quick look of pain shoot over sybert's face he swallowed a couple of times before speaking and when he did speak his voice was hard and cold can you walk then climb over that railing and get away as fast as you can the soldiers are here and if they find you they will send you to the galleys not that it would be any great loss he added with a contemptuous laugh italy has no need of such men as you something of the fierceness faded from the young fellow's face and he looked back with the pleading childlike eyes of the italian peasant the two men watched each other a moment without speaking then tarquinio turned to the open door with a shrug of the shoulders young italy's philosophy of life they stood silently looking after him as he let himself down to the ground and unsteadily crossed the open space to the shadow of the grove sybert was the first to move he turned aside with a tired sigh that was half a groan and dropping into a chair rested his elbows on his knees and his head in his hands all the wild buoyancy that had kept him through the evening had left him and there was nothing in its place but a dull unreasoning despair for the last few weeks he had been glancing at the truth askance to-night he was looking it full in the face the people no longer trusted him he could do no more good in italy his work was at an end why had they not killed him that would have been the appropriate conclusion 
marcia watching his bowed figure dimly divined what was going on within his mind she hesitated a moment and then with a quick impulse laid her arm about his neck there isn't any one but you she whispered he sat for a moment motionless and then he slowly raised his eyes to hers what do you mean marcia i love you and you're free to marry me she nodded he sprang to his feet with a deep shuddering breath of relief i've lost italy marcia but i've found you she smiled up at him through her tears and he looked back with sombre eyes you aren't getting much of a man he said brokenly i was just thinking of shooting myself a quick tremor passed over her and she drew his face down close to hers and kissed it they stood for a long time on the little balcony hand in hand facing the shadows of the ilex grove but the shadows no longer seemed black because of the light in their own souls he talked to her of his past frankly freely and of italy his adopted land he told her what he had tried to do and wherein he had failed and as she listened many things that had puzzled her that had seemed enigmas in his character assumed their right relations the dark glass that had half hidden his motives that had contorted his actions suddenly cleared before her eyes she saw the inherent sweetness and strength of his nature beneath his reserve his apparent indifference and as he told the story of italy of the sacrifices and valour and singleness of purpose that had gone to the making of the nation there crept involuntarily a triumphant ring into his voice the note of despondency that had dominated him for the past few months disappeared for as he dwelt upon the positive things that had been accomplished they seemed to take shape and stand out clearly against the dimmer background of unaccomplished hopes the remembrance of the nation's smaller mistakes and faults and crimes had vanished in the larger view the story that he had to tell was the story of a great people and a great land there had been patriots in the past there would be patriots in the future the same strength that had made the nation would build it up and carry it on ah sybert miss marcia melville's voice rang through the house i'd forgotten there was any one in the world but us marcia whispered as they turned back into the hall here's a young gentleman calling for you miss marcia melville's hand rested on the shoulder of a barefooted little figure covered with the white dust of the roman road gervasio marcia cried with a quick spasm of self-reproach she had forgotten him the boy drew himself up proudly and pointed through the open door to the soldiers pacing the length of the terrace ecco signorina e sodalti marcia dropped on her knees beside him with a little laugh you darling she cried as she gathered him into her arms and kissed him sybert bent over him and shook his hand you're a brave boy gervasio he said and you've probably saved our lives to-night am i going to live with you now he asked like gerald always said marcia just like gerald he opened his eyes wide and i will be an americano then no gervasio said sybert quickly you'll never be an americano you were born italiano and you'll be italiano till you die you should be proud of it it's your birthright we are americani and we are going home you may come with us and study and learn but when you get to be a man you must come back to your own country it will need you and now run to bed and you too miss marcia he added you are tired and there's nothing to be done melville and i will attend to locking up locking up 
cried melville good lord man how many locking-ups does this house require he watched them for a moment in silence and then he added bluntly oh see here what's the good of secrets between friends i've known it all along he held out a hand to each of them it's eminently fitting my congratulations come from my heart you're too discerning by far sybert retorted his hands fast in his pockets marcia with a laugh and a quick flush held out both of hers it's a secret she said i don't know how you guessed it but you must promise on your honour as a gentleman and a diplomat not to tell a single soul i must tell my wife he pleaded it's a case of i told you so and she usually comes out ahead in such cases you can't ask me to hide what little light i have under a bushel i don't care so much about mrs melville marcia gave a reluctant consent but promise me one thing that you'll never never breathe a word to-i don't know her name the lady who writes the lady who writes who on earth is she talking about sybert the greatest gossip in rome appended marcia madame laventi melville laughed you're too late miss marcia she knows it already madame laventi does not get her news by word of mouth the birds carry it to her good-night he added and he strolled discreetly into the salon but his caution was unnecessary their parting was blatantly innocent sybert chose a tall brass candlestick from the row on the mantelpiece and handed it to her with a bow thank you said marcia she paused on the landing and smiled down buona notte signor siberti she murmured he smiled back from the foot of the stairs buona notte signorina pleasant dreams hearing the sound of voices within marcia paused at mrs copley's door to ask about her uncle she found the room strewn with the contents of several wardrobes and her aunt and granton kneeling each before an open trunk good gracious aunt catherine she exclaimed in amazement what are you doing it's one o'clock we are packing my dear marcia sat down on the bed with a hysterical giggle aunt catherine if i didn't know the contrary i should swear you were born a copley mrs copley withdrew her head from the trunk and looked about for something further to fit in in passing she cast her niece a reproachful glance i don't see how you can be so flippant marcia after what we've been through to-night and with your uncle lying wounded in the next room it's only one chance in a hundred that we aren't all in our graves by now i shall not draw an easy breath until we have landed safely in the streets of new york just hand me that pile of things on the chair there her gaze rested upon a party-coloured assortment of ribbons and laces and gloves marcia suppressed another smile i know it isn't the time to laugh aunt catherine but i can't help it you're so sort of business-like it never would have occurred to me to pack to-night we are going into rome the first thing to-morrow morning and with only granton to help there is no time to lose we might as well begin while we are waiting for the doctor he surely ought to be here by now she added her anxiety coming to the fore what do you suppose takes him so long it's been an hour since we sent it's four miles to palestrina aunt catherine and you must remember it's the middle of the night the man was probably in bed and asleep it will be another half-hour at least before he can get here yes i suppose so mrs copley turned back to her packing but i can't help being worried one suspects everybody after an experience like this i am really feeling very nervous over your uncle's arm he makes light of it but it may be more serious than any of us think 
there's always so much danger of lockjaw or blood poisoning from a wound of that sort i shall not feel satisfied about it until we can get into rome and consult an american doctor may i see him marcia asked or is he asleep no he's awake but you must not excite him marcia tapped lightly on mr copley's door and entered he was propped up on pillows his arm in a sling she crossed over and sat down on the edge of the bed i'm so sorry uncle howard she murmured oh it's nothing to make a fuss over i got off very easily i don't mean just your arm i mean everything ah said copley and shut his eyes but after all she added it may be for the best the italians don't understand what you are doing i don't believe two such different races can understand each other he opened his eyes with a humorous smile it's rather a comic opera ending he agreed i have a feeling that before the curtain goes down i should join hands with the bandits and come out and make my bow there are lots of things to be done in america and they'll appreciate you more at home i think i'll buy a yacht and go in for racing as your aunt suggests i make em off in that if i have a captain marcia sat silent a moment looking down on his finely lined sensitive face uncle howard she said slowly it seems as if the good you do is some way cast up to the credit side of the world's account and helps just so much to overcome the bad whether any one knows about it or not you may go away and leave it all behind and never be appreciated but it's a positive quantity just the same it's so much accomplished on the right side her uncle smiled again i'm afraid that's rather too idealistic a philosophy for this generation we're living in a material age and it takes something more solid than good intentions to make much impression on it i have a sneaking suspicion that i wasn't born to set the world to rights many men are reformers in their youth but i'm reaching the age when a club and a good dinner are excellent anodynes for my own and other people's troubles a shadow fell over her face and she looked down in her lap without answering after a moment he asked suddenly where's sybert marcia i think he's downstairs waiting for the doctor ah said copley again with a little sigh marcia slipped down on her knees beside the bed uncle howard she whispered i want to tell you something i'm going to marry mr sybert copley raised himself on his elbow and stared at her you are going to marry sybert he repeated incredulously yes uncle she smiled he asked me to sybert copley repeated with an astonished laugh holy saint francis what a change is here i thought you would be pleased she said a little tremulously he stretched out his hand and laid it over hers my dear marcia nothing could have pleased me more he's the finest man i have ever known and i begin to suspect that you are the finest girl but good gracious marcia i must be blind and deaf and dumb i had a notion you didn't like each other we've changed our minds she said and i wanted you to know it because i thought it would make you feel better and so it does marcia he said heartily the year has accomplished something after all and i'm glad for sybert's sake that he's got this just now for poor fellow he's in a deeper hole than i marcia pressed his hand gratefully as her aunt came bustling in with her arms full of clothes howard she asked shall i have granton pack your heavy flannels or shall you want them on the steamer her husband attempted a shrug and found the bandages would not permit it i think perhaps i'd better leave them out it's june of course 
but i've known very cold crossings even in july copley turned on his side and wrenched his arm again oh for heaven's sake catherine he groaned pack them throw them away burn them do anything you please mrs copley came to the bedside and bent over him anxiously what's the matter dear is your arm very painful you don't suppose she added in sudden alarm that the stiletto was poisoned do you lord no he laughed poisoned daggers went out two centuries ago it's a mere scratch catherine don't worry about it go on with your packing i should hate to miss that first steamer his wife patted the pillows and turned toward the door marcia she called over her shoulder go to bed child you will be absolutely worn out to-morrow and don't talk to your uncle any more i'm afraid you will get him excited marcia bent over and lightly kissed him on the forehead good night she whispered i hope you will feel better in the morning and she turned back to her own room she sat down on the couch by the open window and drew the muslin curtains back the moon was low in the west hanging over rome a cool night breeze was stirring and the little chill that precedes dawn was in the air she drew a rug about her and sat looking out listening to the shuffling tramp of the soldiers and thinking of the long day that had passed when she waked that morning it had been like any other day and now everything was changed this was her last night in the villa and her heart was full of happiness and sorrow sorrow for her uncle and laurence sybert and the poor peasants it was italy to the end beauty and moonlight and love mingled with tragedy and death and disappointment she had a great many things to think about but she was very very tired and with a half sigh and a half smile her head drooped on the cushions and she fell asleep End of chapter twenty five